0: Welcome to Inside Photo Organizing, from DIY to Pro with Allison Friedman from Arrange Wander Focus of Chicago, Illinois, and I am Susan Wallach from Save a Memory of Northern Colorado. Together, we will provide photo organizing tips and tricks for everyone from the person who wants to do it yourself to other pros in our industry. We'll discuss current software and hardware news about photo and digital asset management. We will be answering your questions, and we hope that as you learn more, you can complete your own photo organizing project and feel more confident to finally know, hey, I can find that special photo that I've been looking for. Well, good morning, Allison. Nice to see you
1: again. Good morning, Susan. Happy February. I forgot to check, but um, did the gopher see his shadow? Do you know? oh, you know, I didn't see that on the news. I know, I forgot to check that. We'll have to check after to know whether we can escape winter because it's been very, very cloudy here in Chicago and kind of sad. Well, I
0: saw a post on Facebook and it made me laugh. Some social media posts are pretty darn funny. Um, This one was the bearded ranger. And did the bearded
1: ranger out of some national park see his shadow? I saw that. That was Bighorn National Recreation Area. We were there okay. a few years ago. It's beautiful. So if you haven't been there, you should go over there. That one was very funny.
0: So did the bearded ranger see his shadow? I didn't even read the post. I don't know. I didn't read the post either.
1: <laughs> so I guess that's uh what tells you something about how powerful social media is. Anyway, <laughs> um, I am super excited today because I have a we have a fellow Chicagoan. Uh, with us. Her name is Lida Bunting. Lida with a D, L-I-D-A. I I suspect, like me, she gets kind of annoyed when people mispronounce her name or misspell it, so I'll just put that out there. Anyway, she is a photo book expert, so our topic today is all about photo books, uh, and I am going to let her tell us about herself, and then we'll get into it. So, welcome, Lita. Welcome.
2: Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Allison. I'm really excited to be here and talking about my one of my favorite topics. Um, yes, I am from Chicago, but my heart is in Colorado, so I've got both a little bit of Susan and a little bit of Allison in me. Um, I've been doing this for I'm approaching my eight year anniversary in March, um, and I started this business because of my love for getting photos off our devices and into printed books.
1: So we're, um, you were an engineer before, though, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how'd you I did, make that? Was, switch? Yep. Yeah. So
2: my career actually started in commercial construction. I got an engineering degree from Purdue, and I worked in my given field for 14, 15 years. Um, so I managed construction projects. And then I moved you know, from city to city, working for different general contractors. And then after the birth of my second daughter, I was like, hmm this construction thing and I, it's it's not working. My work-life balance isn't where I want it to be or I was stressed and I'm like, I need to pull away. Like it just, it wasn't for me. So instead of being home full-time, I did um, find another position. Uh, I worked for a nonprofit for a few years, um, a, a nonprofit that I had done a lot of volunteer work for and they hired me as a unpaid intern and then after six months, they hired me full time, and it was while I was working there that I had my big aha moment of wanting to start and launch Zimka Creations. I love it. So we
1: all had those moments.
0: So did you have, um, you know, this? Like, what is your connection? Was it the photos, or were you like doing desktop publishing? Because I started out early on in the '90s doing desktop, actually in the '80s. Um, I learned PageMaker and that lit me up. So how did you get into the photo book specifically? Because that's like your thing.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, So my very first photo book that I created with digital photos was actually our wedding album. Uh, We got married in 07 and our photographer, you know, his contract was that he would give us an album. Well, not give us, I mean, because we're paying a lot for it. Yes. (laughs) And when I reached out to him and we were coordinating, we had like 300 people at our wedding. And he's like, oh, you can have 80 photos in your book. I was like, wait, what? 80 photos in my wedding album? I'm like, it was like an all day affair. How am I going to find 80 photos? And so I was complaining about it to my husband. He goes, why don't you just make your own? I go, wait, I can do that. How do I do that? He goes, oh, there's like online software and you can make your own books. So I looked into it and just Googled, you know, online books. Um, and I didn't want... Um, I wanted something a little bit more special than, you know, a typical like photo cover. So I wanted like a finish, like a linen finish or with a cameo window. So I kind of started doing a little bit more research and I found a book publisher that I like that has since gone out of business. Um, But that was my very first book. And I had always as a kid taken printed photos and put them into albums. I always, I didn't want to look through envelopes of photos. I wanted them in a, book so that I could open it and kind of see the story unfold. And so I just transitioned from doing it printed photos to digital photos.
1: Nice. And we'll come back to to some of that later. Um, but before we get that far, so you sort of had this epiphany and you started your company. Can you tell us how you came up with the name? And I'm not going to say it because sometimes I butcher it and I don't want to get it wrong. So I want you to tell us the name (laughs) of your company and tell us where the name comes from.
2: Yeah. So it's funny. I've had a couple of really close friends tell me that I should change the name of my company because it is so hard to say. So I pronounce it Znimka Creations. Um, And anyone who has ever had to come up with the name of a company knows how hard it is because you want it to be unique. You want it to be something that's relevant to your business. You want it to be something that hasn't been taken already. um, And you want it to be memorable. And I couldn't come up with a name and photo books by Lita just wasn't calling me. Like, I'm like, this is really lame. So I had this moment where I thought, oh, I know a second language. I, I speak Ukrainian. I wonder if there are any Ukrainian words that I could use. And growing up, the word Znimka is the word we use for photo. So directly translated, my company is Photo Creations. I create things with photos. Um, And I Googled it. And of course, it wasn't taken because nobody can spell it and nobody can say it. But it means something to me. And it's a good reminder of where I came from. Nice. That's very cool. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I love that because in our business, um, when I, I also had some issues coming up with a name because lots of things I thought of were taken or they're very close to something else, you know, they all have photo in the title, this and that. Mm-hmm. And actually my family and people around me thought I was nuts for not having photo in the name, just like you don't. I was like, I really want to do something with my initials but my initials are terrible. A W F. What's the first word you think of, right? I'm not even gonna say <laughs> it. So I, I love it. Um, have you, and this is a little bit off topic. We didn't ask you this before, but do you ever have trouble with people that can't find you because they can't spell it or they misspell it?
2: I haven't had anybody say that to me. I mean, Maybe you of, wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, I don't know that they can't find me because I haven't told yeah. you so. Um, a lot of what we do, and you two can probably relate to this, is through relationships and through personal referrals. So by that time, someone already has either the spelling of my first name. I mean, my first name's unique. And growing up, my last name, it had 10 letters, but only one vowel. So I mean, I'm used to having people not be able to pronounce a portion of my name. So when I got married and changed my last name to Bunting, I'm like, well, that's easy. Now I need something else that's difficult. So, no, I mean, nobody has complained. Like I said, I've had a few friends say your company name is too hard to pronounce and you need to change it. But other than that, nobody has said, Oh, I had such a hard time locating you. I'm findable on every single social media channel. And I think. Well, you- now,
0: yeah, because it's so unique, I'm sure. You know, if they could just get ZM going, I think the rest. Right. right. <laughs> But your, your background seems, you know, similar to mine. Um, my, uh, my dad, um, was Polish and, and he had, uh, nine siblings and, uh, there's still some last names in our, uh, you know, Wallach was the easiest. (laughs) There are some names on that side of the family that to this day, I can't pronounce and I can't spell, you know, I have to look it up somewhere. Um, yeah, so I can totally relate.
2: <laughs> Some of those names are easier to pronounce when you're not looking at them. Like my name, I mean it's Krinifsky. Well, just saying it, it's not that bad, but if you see it, you know, it's all these letters and it's the S C Y or C Y K. Those
0: those are the the letters that get me.
2: <laughs> yeah, the funky letter combinations.
0: Yep.
2: Well, Which we'll is have... how my I mean my company name is Z-N-I-M, like Znim. Like nobody says those letters together, but I do. And for our
1: listeners, we will have a direct link to your website in our show notes. So you don't have to go back and I'll say rewind, even though that's not the term anymore, uh, to get the right spelling because we will have it there for you. Awesome. Um, Yeah. Okay. So you had started to talk about how much you liked the actual physical Feeling of the photos. And, you know, today most things are digital. It's just so easy and everybody, that's where everyone's focus is. Um, But what are the benefits, do you think, of going analog, going old school?
2: Right. Um, Well, I, I love the textile, I love tangible. So, I mean, first and foremost is you can sit down and look through something, look through these photos. So often we pick up our phones and we scroll. We scroll to go find that photo. We scroll past the good photos. We scroll past the bad photos. All we're doing is scrolling because we're on a mission to find that one photo that we're looking for. But a book helps us take it all in. Um, you know, we actually will sit down, we'll let the story unfold, and it it allows us to understand what has happened, whether it's a vacation or a year in review or the wedding. And sometimes those stories are forgotten. I mean, I'm actually guilty of that. I recently did our 2021 year in review book. And as I'm going through it, I was like, oh, we went strawberry picking. Oh, that's right, we fell in a patch of strawberries and got, you know, strawberry juice all over our legs. Oh, ha ha, that was so fun. And you just remember those moments that you would otherwise have forgotten. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that when our phones are you know, holding all of our photos, We just never see them and we forget. Um, So, you know, we've got the silly moments. We've got the special moments. You can look at them, but the books also, they last. They stand the test of time. They're on a shelf. They're on your coffee table. You don't need technology to look at them. So if my phone dies, I still have the book that I can pick up and look at it. And it's a memorable keepsake um, that you can then pass it down. My kids will hopefully have our year-in-review books when they're older. You know, I when I'm done with making these or when I'm done with wanting them on my shelves, I can print each of them, their own version of our year in review and they can have it for themselves. So it's something that can be passed down from one, one generation to the next.
0: So that's a good point. So you, you have, is it two kids? I do. Yep. So do you print like three copies, one for you and then one each for the kids when you do these review books
2: I, I used to, um, I used to print two of them, figuring that one, you know, we would only need two in the end. Now I don't, I only print one, but I, because of the way I design and where I design, I have a digital version of the entire book that yep. could be reprinted in the future on a different printing capacity. a different printing capacity. Yeah, um, And That's I'm good. saving those as PDFs or as two page JPEGs and they can, when they want them, I'll get them printed for that. I don't want them sitting around the house right now.
0: Yeah, nice. That's a great idea.
1: Yeah, we do the same. I mean, there's the other thing that I really like about books because I I don't make as many as you, but I do a lot of travel books. And I am like I will do it right away. I'm already working on the one from our past trip over the holidays. And the reason is because in a book like you said, the, the photos tell a story in there just by themselves, and the way that you decide the order and how you're going to view them tells a story. But in a book, you can also add written words in a way that you just can't with digital photos. I mean, I talk to clients all the time about adding captions to important photos, but to see that caption, you have to swipe up or you have to do something. It's not in your face like right. it is in a book.
2: Right. I mean, like I said, this 2021 book that we just had printed, we had moved to Colorado for the month of March because it was still kind of COVID life. And so we were doing hybrid school. Well, we ended up having some car trouble and there was a huge snowstorm, go figure, in Colorado in March, and we got stranded and um, we couldn't make it up the month. So we had to backtrack and go to a hotel and the kids had to do e-learning from this hotel room and we had our dog with us and my father-in-law had to come get us. And it's all captioned in the book because if you just look at the pictures, it's like, oh, they're driving through the mountains. Well, no, he had to come get us. We had to load the kids. We had to commute to their house during their lunch hour because they were on break and they were in school. So there's a story. There's always a story, but you need to capture that with the words.
0: Right. Yeah. Interesting. So what what are your what kind of books do your clients ask you to to create?
2: So I've done everything from year and review books, baby books, wedding books, bar and bat mitzvah books, um, grad books, family history books. There's pet books. I've done, you know, dog books. A client wanted to gift her dog walker, a book of the dog as she was retiring. So really, anything goes. But I do have some favorites um, that I would love to talk about. Yeah, sure. Allison, you were just talking about vacation. I mean, vacation books are so fun to create, especially Mm -hmm. when I'm creating them for clients, because I get to see so many fun things that my clients get to do and I'm like, oh, I'm going to bookmark that. And I'm going to do that someday. And, Oh, I want to go to that place. And then weddings. I mean, I think weddings are so beautiful and you're dealing usually with professional photos and they're beautiful. Um, so it's just a great way to see how, how these happy moments can come together in a book.
0: I actually just um, created a wedding book um, albeit it's been a few years since their wedding and they have three kids now, <laughs> if that tells you anything about timing, timing, but, um, I was not their professional, uh, photographer. I was a, a guest, um, but I captured the wedding from my point of view, um, sitting in my chair, taking pictures of their ceremony. And, um, and then, you know, wh- what, I know in my life that has happened and that I appreciate is when I have a large event, whether it's something that I've set up or I'm attending is that you can't always remember where, even though you assigned like in a wedding, you assigned everybody, you know, to be at table 10 or whatever. Um, And you know, who came um, when it's your event, sometimes you don't get to interact with those people, you know, in the way that you would like. Um, and so I went around and I captured Um, everybody sitting at their tables just went around and got them to smile for me and took a bunch of pictures. And, um, so when I created the book, um, I wanted uh, to try out some, uh, textured cover, you know, as you said, like a linen or something. Um, and, uh, I took so many pictures. I wanted to, um, document, like you said, 80 pictures is not enough to document a wedding. (laughs) So I could totally relate. I had taken close to a thousand that, that one day. And so to get it down to just enough to give them a, a, a taste of what happened, plus include, you know, all the table shots. It was, I think maybe 200 pictures. I don't remember. Um, now, um, but I did have to review it several times to get it down to a, a reasonable cost. Cause this was my gift to them. And, um, But they absolutely loved it. And I, you know, uh, I wasn't there when my friend gave it to them, but she she recorded a little video for me, which I which I was able to watch. And I loved it as they were flipping the pages and went, oh, that's so nice. She got everybody at the tables, Mm -hmm. you know, and those are the things that, you know, when you're the the bride and groom, you may not get get a chance to go around to every single table, you know. Um yeah and so and and unfortunately some of the people that that attended 5 years ago um have passed on. So, you know, again, capturing those moments when you can um and then putting it in a nice uh book to display moving forward is is I think just a great gift, whether it's the professional photos from the photographer or you maybe even collect photos from from uh you know, the people, the guests that attended. You know, that would be a great idea, too.
2: Well, like I said, my very first book was my own wedding book. And it is a combination. It's a combination of the photographer's photos. And then people had sent me photos because it's different perspectives. Um, and my book is probably 100 pages because I really wanted to capture yeah. the whole day and all the people that were there. So there's some goofy pictures and then there's the <laughs> professional ones that look amazing.
1: That is a great point. I was actually going to ask you about that, is how do you balance? Like some people think, well, my pictures aren't good enough to put in a book. You know, they're just bad, you know, iPhone photos are not even in, you know, focus or something. So how do you, like, what would you say to someone that says, no, my picture, you know, they're not professional. They're not great pictures, but you can still make a book out of those, right? And you can still balance those.
2: For sure. One hundred percent. My books, especially like my year in review books and my vacation books, I am not a professional photographer. My husband isn't either. But what's important to us is the story. And we have blurry photos. We have out of focus. We have maybe some the lighting isn't always great. And for my own personal books, I I don't necessarily color correct or do any of that because I'm just trying to get it done. Right. I mean done is better than perfect. And when you have a family or you're busy and you you want to capture that story, you want to gift this to someone, get the photos into the book. No one is going to judge and say, oh, that picture's not a professional photo. What's important is the people that's in the picture, the story that it's telling and the memories. I pick up my photo books and they bring me joy. They bring me some tears sometimes because I'm seeing people that are no longer around. But to me, what's important is getting the photos in, not the quality of the photo.
1: Yeah. And sometimes the non-professional ones bring the most laughs. You know, the professional ones are beautiful. Of a wedding or a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, of course, you're going to have those um, because they do capture, you know, I think the professional photos at events like that really help capture the amount of time and energy you put into creating that event. But sometimes those candids from other people's phones where you know, they're off center and, and all that stuff add a lot more color to the event. So with that, let's get into some nitty gritty about how you actually go about making your book. So let's start with, you know, what tips do you have to create a compelling photo book?
2: Okay. Well, my first tip is to take it easy. Like don't put too much pressure on yourself. Like my first tip is a mindset tip. Like when I said it done is better than perfect, I mean it. Like don't think that it has to be an absolutely perfect book because it's it doesn't have to be. And if you've never done a book, don't try tackling a huge book on your first try. Instead of saying, oh, I'm going to take all four of my kids and get books made for them from birth to 18 and I'm going to get it done by next month. no. Go back to last summer's vacation to the lake house and make that book first. You know, keep it, start easy. But um, to get into like more of the technical things of creating a compelling book, there's basically, I approach my books in three different categories. First is the selection process. You have to pick the photos that you're going to put into your book. Um, So sometimes people use the heart function if they have, you know, their photos in, Apple Photos or Google Photos, you can star or favorite your photos. So that's a good starting point because if it's a favorite on your phone, it's probably bookworthy. Um But if you don't do that and you're maybe on a PC or something, you can just create a folder of the photos that you want in a book. So selection is step one. Then step two is the design of putting photos onto a page and laying it out and having that story kind of come together. Um, I tend to do most of my books in a chronological order. So if I'm doing a year in review, then you know there's a few pages of January, then a few pages of February, and you know so on and so forth. So laying out the pages and the book is step two, and then the step three is kind of figuring out the finishes of the book. Do you want the linen cover? Do you want the photo cover? Do you want thick pages? Do you want the thinner pages? And then ordering it so that you know you've you've got all those um, decisions made and you can. Click through whatever vendor you're going through and choose how how you want it to look as a final product. Um, did that answer the question?
1: <laughs> of course. Okay. <laughs> of course, we have more questions. Okay. Uh, just because. Yes, yes.
0: Um. Well, I was going to say you're. You know, I I need to print that sign that "perfect is the enemy of good" like, like all over in mm-hmm. my office because I get waylaid by. Picking the best, just, just that, you know, when I, uh, I last year and I had a fantastic trip, um, actually it was two years ago now, uh, we're in 2024, I have to remember, um, two years ago I went home, uh, not home, but I, I went to Italy, uh, it's my, my mother's home, uh, she was born there, and then, uh, Stayed a, a a week with the, my Italian relatives and then um, toured Italy and and Greece and the Adriatic, and I loved that trip so much. And I wanted to create a really nice photo book because I hadn't done that on my previous trips, <clears throat> but now that I'm doing this business, I wanted to do it for myself. And it was such a a, a process to do it yourself. So do you have these sessions with your clients where you help them cull the images like you know if i gave you 300 500 images would you help me cull them is that something you do
2: I usually my clients are like i don't want it here are all my photos oh pick the photos that you think i should have in my book um but i would for sure work with them if they wanted to be more in a D- diy capacity um but Most of my clients are very overwhelmed by the mass amounts of photos that they have from a vacation or from an event or throughout the year. And they just give me access to all of it and say, pick, pick, pick my photos.
0: But isn't that, don't you think that's easier because you're not emotionally, you know, uh, maybe tied to some of those images. So you can look at it like you are developing a story for them right?
2: Yeah, 100%. I do look at it more objectively. Um, and, th- you know, it's funny, because sometimes people take photos in the portrait mode versus landscape. And sometimes it's almost the same exact picture, it's just the orientation of it. And when it comes to selecting, I might select both of those, knowing that we'll see how it lays out in the book, I will choose one over the other, but I'll pick them both during the selection process because I'm not sure how that page is going to be laying out in that moment. Um, but I I usually overpick and then I don't necessarily use all of them. Um, and I will, if the client is kind of a little stressed about it, I will send them the selection and say, these are the photos I've selected. Is anything missing? Did I, did I capture all the moments? Did I capture all the memories? Do you, are you okay with these? And most times they're like, yeah, run with it. And sometimes people are like, no, I, I don't like the way I look in that picture or there's an event that is on my phone. I didn't give it to you. I need to send you more pictures.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great approach. I like that. Yeah, sometimes I just want to hand off those kind of travel photo books, you know, to somebody else that, you know, isn't so tied to, you know, the event because I could just fall in love with all of them because I took them. <laughs> right.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and I stuff- think that that's one of my issues, at least like for my personal year and review books, I'm usually a two volume book. I max out at the hundred page max. I, although I now have a vendor that prints more than a hundred pages, but, um, I would have to do the two volumes just because I don't want to miss anything. And there was a few years ago, I missed like apple picking or something. And I reprinted the book because I was so upset that I had missed that event. And it was just like one one spread, but I had to have it in the book because otherwise we would have forgotten about it. So
1: I think people have a lot of decision paralysis when they're trying to select their own photos. And it's what I've seen is not so much necessarily missing an event, but missing. The problem is, is you take a group photo and as everybody does now, whenever anybody takes a group photo, a selfie, or asks somebody else to do it, you get 10 of them. And I see clients getting hung up all the time on like looking at all 10 of those photos and trying to figure out which one is the absolute best. And of course, the problem is, is one of them is the best for one person and one of them is the best for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I think it's often a lot easier to hand that off because the reality is when we as photo organizers look at it and look at the photos as a whole, they're all pretty much the same, especially since somebody just everyone's standing in the same spot and someone just clicks the button five times. They're literally the same photo. So it is a lot easier to just Mm -hmm. hand it off and say, you know what? Can you do this for me? And it takes a lot of stress off. People get really stressed out about books, especially, I think, uh, parents of younger children, where they think, I have to have this book for every year of their life. But and every kid, and every kid, and any parent of a young child knows how hard it is to get the actual time you need to create that. Right. So I think there's pressure. There and there and there shouldn't be. You don't have to have the book, or you do it if you have time, or you hire somebody like Lita or one right. of us to do it for you because ultimately it's just great to have that thing. And whether you've done it and it's not quite perfect, or somebody else has done it, it's still, as you said, done is better than perfect. You've got it in your hands.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think one of the 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 best things to keep in mind is what she said about once you're once you're back or even during your vacation as you're sitting in the hotel at night start favoriting the the you know the photos from the day and put them in you know uh, a folder and um, I have created like I, I I'm on Apple platforms mostly and and uh, so I create a uh, a note an Apple note and so I'll I'll keep my day to day travel you know what's been going on just in a in a note so that when I am ready to create that book I've got them you know I got the photos in a photo album that I've picked and I've got the notes so it's not such a a big deal but when you're talking about you know creating looking back and creating a. a a year, that can seem intimidating unless you do it in little chunks early, early on. Right. Is right. that what you suggest to your, to your clients to just kind of keep up with those kind of things?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that it's really important. I mean, my mom used to say, how do you eat an elephant? And it's one, one bite at a time. So if people are looking at this entire huge project, it, it's going to be overwhelming. So taking it in, in smaller chunks and giving yourself some grace we are all busy we are all being drawn into pulled into 20 different directions so and a photo book isn't necessarily at the highest priority for most of us like we have to feed ourselves we have to feed our families we have to pay the bills i mean there are things that are a little bit more pressing than creating a photo book so it keeps getting pushed off to the side but if you really want it and it's something that you know is on the back of your mind then setting aside a little bit of time Once a week, every couple of weeks, to just sit down and just power through it. Just put together a plan and for an hour, go favorite your photos, or for an hour, pick a vendor, or for an hour, just do these things and you'll make forward progress and it'll get done.
0: So, with all all your engineering background, do you approach books in a very engineering way.
2: <laughs> I, I feel like I do. I, I'm very systematic. I'm all into processes. I'm all into efficiencies. Um, so yeah, it's the project manager in me that kind of pulls through this. I I previously had like a chart with all my personal projects that I need to work on and what stage they were in. And I was like, okay, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> I need to and take this it is why
1: this is why people hire you to do it though for that yeah, I hope so. um You talked a little bit. You've mentioned a couple times about about vendors, things like that. What tools do you use when you're designing your books? And sure. you, you, these are professional tools. And after we'll ask you about you know what a DIY somebody wants to do it themselves might use. But what are the mm-hmm. professional tools that you use?
2: So I use the Adobe suite of products. So I use Adobe Lightroom, and that's what I use to cull the photos. So it's it's a nice way to view a bunch of photos. And I happen to work on two screens, so I can see a bunch of thumbnails on one screen, and then it blows up on the other screen. So if I'm comparing, you know, group shot, and I'm looking through ten photos, I can choose which one of the ten is the best one for a book, and I do it pretty quickly uh, through Lightroom, and then. Um, InDesign, Adobe InDesign is a design software that uh, graphic artists use to design magazines and covers while I use it to design my books. Um, and I can customize the pages and add as much or as little text as I need to uh, because I, I don't use any pre-designed templates. So what I do in InDesign is completely custom. And then Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop is a tool to edit photos um, that need a little bit of enhancing.
0: Yeah. You know, when you look at the tools today, um, I just have to say how much easier and uh, less brain damage you have to go through in order to to prep things that need to go onto a press. Um, when uh, I was younger in the 90s, in between, you know, just chasing what I love to do, I was a graphic designer for a local print shop. And so I had to... Um, learn all the four color separations so whenever you had uh, a photo and people would you know even if it was just a a simple you know um, business card they would bring us i'd have to to shoot the card right take a photo of it for the plate to get their design and everything but we'd also have to do on the computer uh, a lot of uh, prep work and separate those into different uh you know four color separation cmyk so that because the printer needed that as as it was going down you know uh adding the colors to the to the pages so um i I don't know if you guys would remember but you know like magazines you know there would be four passes right see you know cyan yellow magenta and black and they had to line up all the the uh the marks your uh margin marks your your crop marks and everything and um it was just fascinating and now you don't have to worry about any of that like you're you know a jpeg that comes out of your camera you lay that out maybe you crop it a little bit and off you're you're going you right. know you don't have to worry about four color separation anymore
2: thankfully because i don't have the knowledge yeah. to do it <laughs> that way i mean that was not something i learned at purdue engineering so um yeah. I'm happy that it's a lot simpler now. Yeah. The tools that you mentioned, I mean,
1: we're familiar with them. We use them, of course, all three of us use them regularly. Uh, But they're all subscription with a pretty decent learning curve. Um, So if you are somebody who's been listening and you are excited and from this podcast and decide that now is the time you're going to start working on your own book, what are some simpler tools that people can use if they want to do it themselves.
2: So I mean you totally do not need to have any of those tools. My first few years of business I was not using those tools. I have kind of gradually started using these more professional tools, but um so if you're on a Mac, I mean Apple has third party plugins in the Apple Photos app that you can take photos and drop them into that app in the Apple Photos from your Apple Photos library into a book publisher so right there, it's already built in.
0: Well, that's um, kind of cool. Let me let me just ask you about that because I'm not I I have Apple Photos, mm-hmm. but I've never gone out and looked at additional apps that tie into Apple Photos to do things like that. So when you tie when you get this other app, then is it are you so? I'm trying to wrap my. I think head she's around
1: asking it. how does it work.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I mean I, are you still in Apple Photos or when you kick off the app then the app can look at the Apple photo
2: library. So right inside Apple Photos at the very bottom there's a section called projects huh. and it says my projects and you can add you click the little plus sign and you can click on that and it says you've got options you can click you can select a book a calendar a card wall decor and so you, When you click on those, then there's the little expandable menu and the book publisher that you've loaded in through a plugin will be there. And so you click on that one. So on this particular project, I have uh, an MPix as one of the vendors. So if I click on that, I can take photos from this past weekend because I was at a big fun party in Cleveland. I can take those photos and drag them. From my library, just down a little bit lower on my Apple Photos app and put them into this new project that I just launched. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And then you have to go through the whole layout process. But oh, yeah. It takes out that one step. So I actually don't traditionally do my books on my Apple computer because most of my photos are on my PC. And so what I do there or what I used to do before I started using Lightroom is that I would go through my year and create a new folder for photos for book and I would drag or copy photos from my my year into my these are the photos I've selected and create just a special folder and then I would upload all the photos from that folder into a book publisher. So there's so many consumer based book publishing companies out there. And the ones that, you know, consumers could use are different than what I use for my clients. But I mean, there's Mpix, like I just said, is one of the plugins for Apple. And there's Xeno, which is another one that I've used um, for myself, Milk Books, Artifact Uprising. And there's a ton of good book publishers out there. And you don't need any special tools because they have templates built into their programs. So, I mean, like I use InDesign because I like to create my own templates, but nobody has to do that. If you want to do this on your own, there are companies, professionals who have already done this work for you where the templates are there and they've got embellishments. If you're into that sort of thing, kind of a scrapbook, you look. So there are all these companies that already have this and they've done it to make it so much easier for the everyday consumer to design their own books.
0: Yeah. Some of so those, if, if people yeah. have different software that they manage their photos in, so for example, like Lightroom, that was where I did my first book because Lightroom had the book um, option the uh, as one of the uh, tools in Lightroom. And uh, that worked really well for me until I started using uh, more professional tools. Um, so I still use Lightroom, but then I take them into other book layout programs that uh, give me more fluid options.
1: And one thing, so you both mentioned you know, essentially creating a folder of of favorites and going from there. But just so everyone's clear on pretty much every photo platform, if you're Apple, if you're Google, if you're in Amazon, wherever your photos are, just create an album within that program. And when you are going through and finding photos, or hopefully in advance, you do it and just stick them in that album. And it's a lot easier than it used to be because you're right. It used to be that you had to essentially make a copy. So you're making another copy of your photo and sticking it into a different folder. And it's very clunky. But on today's phones and things, just make a virtual album and stick stuff in there. Um, the other thing you mentioned, and you mentioned this early on, that you keep the the JPEGs or the PDFs of your books so you can reprint them later Uh, one thing that I have always told people for the last while, and it was like a light bulb that went off in my head a couple of years ago with books is I always design square. And the reason for that is literally what you said. So that if I've got these and five years from now, I want to reprint them. And I have the printer went out of business, the original one. If you design a square, um, and all photo, I think all photo companies, Offer that in their own design software, uh, then you can print it anywhere.
0: And we're talking about eight by eight, ten by ten.
1: Yeah, huh. yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so Allison kindly brings this up because <laughs> I, she and I had this conversation, and I was doing the layout for the wedding book that I previously mentioned, and I personally love the landscape look. And so, you know, numerous books that I've printed for myself or for friends or for, for clients, um, has been the, you know, more of the 12 by eight or 10 by eight, uh, or whatever the math works out to. I am not an engineer. Um,
1: <laughs> and I hey, uh, probably wouldn't have this problem because she could just in her head, figure out how they go from one to uh, the
2: other. Calculators help too.
0: <laughs> but so I approached Alison because I, I started this layout in this particular tool that you have to predetermine, predetermine who your printer is and what the, uh, the book style is. And they offer many different print book uh, levels, quality levels. So you have to like, even narrow it down to like, is it an album or a book with this company? And, you know, in my hurry, hurried uh, moment to try and create the book, I went down this path and then I was like, well, that wasn't the book I wanted. And she, and I said, so I asked Allison, can I take my images and use, you know, this company, but print it on a different plan or um, product level. And she's like, that's why I do square <laughs> pages. <laughs> so now she's on a mission to let everybody know.
2: But Luda, I, do you have a favorite? So it's, it's really funny. I, I 100% agree and understand the whole 10 by 10, 12 by 12 scalability. I personally really love landscape books for (laughs) um, travel and my year and review books. And I, I'd say that I'm probably 50, 50 on landscape versus square. I just, there's just something to be said about, you know, the size and the way it opens up. My wedding books almost always are square and that's for two reasons. One, the scalability, but Sometimes the um, the bride and groom want to get an extra copy at a smaller mm-hmm. version for family members. Um, and so there's you can do um, a companion book and you can size it up and down. Some of the other um, landscape books, they can scale um, if you're staying within the same proportions. And I usually design in the biggest one so that we just have to scale down. Um, but I've had that issue, Susan, where I was working I was designing an InDesign but I was going to export my JPEGs to this other printer yeah. and I looked up the dimensions for their album not their book or for their premium book not their classic book and I was off and I had to go and resize yep like 150 pages And I cussed at myself and I was cranky and I was mad. And then I poured myself a glass of wine and everything was good. So it sucks. It really does. But for me, what was important was I really wanted that landscape book. And it was my mistake. um, And it it was for a client. um, And they loved it. And I learned my lesson. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's a moral there, actually. So even if you're doing it yourself, uh, think about before you start, you know, so you selected. You started by selecting your photos and and all that. But think about what what size you want before you start and uh, look at where you're going to print it and and make sure they have that. And uh, because you don't want to have to redo it. Like I said, if you're if you don't like square, because square works, but if you like a landscape, just make sure that you're actually looking at the options because most probably all of the of the do it yourself. Uh, companies out there also still have different sizes, and they have different levels of quality. They have different paper types, uh, but the most important thing probably when you're starting is to check the size.
0: Right, because if the the type of cover that you want and the lay flat or not is not in your size, then you have to take your time and, and redesign the layout. And that can be time consuming, especially when you've got it just perfect. And so that's where I was at, but everything turned out great. In the end, I figured out what I was actually signed up to get. And I got that book for them and it worked great and they loved it. So
2: the other thing you just mentioned the lay flat, um, 100% lay flat is the way to go. Um, it's a type of hinging that, allows a page to go seamlessly from left to right without a little bulge. Um, It makes a really big difference in all sorts of photo books, but especially travel books when you've got a beautiful landscape that you want to spread across. I've had, you know, landscapes of Antarctica or Paris, or I mean, there's some beautiful vistas. And when you have it across the page, you don't want that that bulge. Um, So uh, my recommendation to anyone listening is, When you are deciding on a book, whether it's a big book, a little book, choose the lay flat pages. And there's hinged lay flat and seamless lay flat. I'm indifferent between those two because I think that they both show the photos in a similar way, but do choose lay flat binding over traditional binding.
0: And that's really important, especially when you've got the beautiful uh, scenery, the panorama that you wanna spread on two pages. but not only that, um, you also when you have a group shot, if you've ever done a family reunion and, you know, ultimately, where do they put the person of the moment in the middle? Yeah. Right? Do it. <laughs> so, you know, you don't want the seam going down, you know, their left or right shoulders or, you know, um, and with he- less expensive. Right down the middle of their face.
1: So Less expensive printers. You take the one going through their face and the left side of the page will be a little higher
2: than the right side
1: of the page. (laughs) I've seen that too.
2: Yeah, Yeah, no, I try to keep people out of the scene.
0: So I've uh, recently did a a birthday book uh, for someone celebrating their their birthday. And they gave me the group shot from the professional uh, photographer. And in order to make sure that the person that, had the birthday was not in the center seam. I had to actually resize the image so that when it went into the book, I had room to shift it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Left or right? Yeah. So that 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 helps when you have extra photography skills and Photoshop skills.
1: So let's, um, we're getting closer to the end here. We've talked a lot about kind of... Tips to get started, but they've been a bit a little bit scattered. So could you, Lita, maybe you can sum up for us just if you don't know where to start, how how do you get going? We've talked about some of them. Yep. But if you could put it all together for us.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I I feel like I'm gonna be just the broken record. Start with favoriting. It's such an easy way to get a handle on your photos, is to just start the favorite process of your photos um that way you know which photos you like the most and those are the ones that likely would end up in a book then the next best step that i think would be helpful would be to decide on a project and make a commitment to getting that project done so we sometimes set these goals for ourselves And, like i mentioned that you know that mom who's got four kids and is going to do their their baby books from zero to 18 and get it done That is not a realistic goal. So set a realistic goal and commit to that. Um, You don't have to be anal like me and write out steps of what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. But if you put it out there, I'm going to, you know, tomorrow I'm going to spend half an hour while I'm in the carpool lane or while I'm in the grocery store waiting. I'm just going to start favoriting my photos. Start there and then say, okay, I really want to make a holiday book. We had an awesome holiday this past um, winter. Let's let's go and make a holiday book. Um, so those would be the first two things to do. Just it's to me, it's more of a mindset. Once you make that commitment, the technical side, it's not a very technical thing to do. You you pick your photos, you pick your vendor, you get them in. It's it's making that commitment and saying, I want this, and I'm going to make it happen.
0: So I have a question: Are there books that are better for long-term like archival quality versus something that, you know.
2: Like printer-wise?
0: Yeah. I mean, are people is that something that people should look at? Or, you know, if you get a book printed anywhere, you should be good. Um because I know there's a, a huge variance in some of these, you know, uh commercial uh companies that um your average person might, you know, like use, I'll just say, you know, like Shutterfly or, or some of these um, it, there's a lot of uh, difference in, in pricing and quality. And so sometimes they, you know, when you tell someone what you charge to do the layout and then on top of that, what you're going to charge for the printing, you know, right. people right. can't see you right now, but you have a, a big <laughs> smile on your face and you're nodding heavily um, and <laughs> So, you know, I know for me that, you know, when you, I've even take, I've even created photo books that mimic a photo album so that we can downsize that photo album and have it be more portable and uh, certainly safer for the images because now they're out of that photo album, potentially with the, you know, acid papers and everything ruining the images. They're out of that photo album and into a nicely designed photo book, but What else should I consider?
2: Well, I think papers are definitely an important factor. Um, And a lot of these vendors, when you go to their website, they've got the FAQs. They've got their guarantees that we are printing on acid-free paper. This is archival paper. Um, And what's funny is you don't necessarily realize it when you're looking at it. I don't have that discerning eye. We have some photo managers that can really see the differences in coloring and all that. I, I don't have that eye. Um, but I'm a textile person, so I can feel it. Um, And I've had some books printed where you can just, you can feel the texture of the paper and you know, it doesn't have to be that heavyweight cardstock. I'm talking just regular paper. Um, The thing is, we do these books so that we can have these stories and this history of our family and this legacy that we can potentially hand down from one generation to the next. Yes, it costs a lot, but if you stretch that cost, you, you do this book this year, 2021. I designed it once. I'm not gonna design 2021 again and again and again. It's worth it because it's gonna last the next 30, 40, 50 years. That book is going nowhere. I printed it with a higher end printer because I want it to last. Um, But I'm gonna go back to my original thing. Done is better than perfect. And if someone can't afford to go with a high end printer and they just want it done, slap those photos into a book and just have them printed, do it. it. It doesn't have to be a super high-end book. Yes, I would love to treat my clients to these beautiful final products, but it's not for everyone.
1: It's definitely yeah. a consideration when we go, and, and it doesn't, every book you do is different. So personally, when we go on vacation, um, I love to travel. I love to find, you know, kind of far off places, spend a lot of time and energy and planning the trip and doing the trip and blah, blah, blah. When I get home, it's totally worth it to me to spend more on a nice book. And I, I actually add it into my budgeting for the trip. When I've done other books, like for my kids, it's been a little while since I've done them. Honestly, Those are actually lesser quality when I print them because personally for me and everybody's different, but for me, I, the travel books are the ones that I keep. And those include all the pictures of the kids too, of course, but I don't actually care so much about, don't tell my kids this. I know they don't listen to this podcast, so I'm not that worried, (laughs) but I don't, I never ever look back at their baby books, their first five years or whatever I just don't, but our travel books, I look at all the time. So you don't have to, it's not all or nothing.
2: Mm -hmm. You can decide
1: what's important to you. And for a lot of people, it's probably the opposite of what I just said. (laughs) And it's their, their kids and the year and the life that's more important. Well, you know, you pick out those or your wedding, spend Mm -hmm. a little bit more on that and others that you really want to have the book, but maybe it's less important. Go for a cheaper paper, a cheaper printer, and you'll still love your book. Right.
0: I did a very uh, inexpensive uh, book. I got a coupon. Uh, this was before I started my my uh, my business years ago. Um, and I made a first year book for my great niece, uh, my nephew's daughter. And um, she loves it. She picks it up off the shelf and she looks at it and she's she's just five now. So she loves looking at her baby pictures. And so, um, you know, to her, it's very important. You know, I don't know how often the dad, you know, has looked at it, but um, you know, to her, it's 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 something fun, and it's it's all about her. So, yeah, um, I think you just have to figure out who the book is for, and whether you know, I, I like your idea, Allison, of putting that uh, book cost into your travel vacation budget. I think that's yeah. smart. Yeah. We great. do.
1: You know, we spend a lot of money. If we're spending a lot of money on a vacation, this is, this is pennies yep. and it helps us remember. So we spend a lot of money on a vacation. We go on the vacation and we love it. Five years from now, the book will help us remember why we loved it so much. And for me, that is absolutely priceless. Uh, well, so that's, and the other that's thing,
2: like We go on vacations or people go on vacations, they buy these trinket souvenirs that they use for you know keychain or a shot glass or a t-shirt and it kind of loses its fizzle after the first few months of being home from that vacation but the book that lasts forever I mean you have that on your coffee table and when you're in dreary Chicago and you're thinking about (laughs) the warm weather of Patagonia and you're thinking gosh I wish I could go hiking or snorkeling or whatever I mean there's you you sit down you go oh Look at that. Oh, we got to plan another
0: vacation. I want to walk around Rome again.
1: That's actually the dangerous part is because I keep the books out. I'm constantly (laughs) in my head. I'm already doing it. We just came home (laughs) and I'm already planning the next one. Um, Okay. So we're getting towards the end here. And this is the question we ask every guest because it's fun. Uh, But what is the strangest photo in your own collection? And bonus question for you, is it in one of your books?
2: So I am a pretty conservative person. So I don't really have very strange photos, but there's a story here. Um, when my dad passed away, my cousin came up to me and asked if he could take photos at the services. And I was like, okay, that's a little weird. Like I've heard of people taking pictures at weddings and happy occasions. This is a sad occasion. Why would you want to do that? But I was like, okay, you can roll with it. So You know, he's snapping away pictures. I'm, you know, in my own world because it's, you know, my services, the visitation, the funeral, everything. So a week or two later, he sends me the photos and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these. So I put them in a folder and my photos are very organized, like date and occasion. Well, it was just the date because I know what's on that date and I did not need to put in a description of what it was. Well, then fast forward, I finally got around to doing my 2016 book and I came across those photos and I was like, what do I do with these? And I'm like, do I put them in the book? And I made the decision that, yes, I will. So I have a page. It's not a spread. It's just a page. It's very tactfully done, but it's it's labeled, you know, our final goodbye. And it's there's a picture of me holding my daughter when she was five while I was giving the eulogy. She ran up to me while I was up there. And I was getting all emotional and she comes up and there's a picture of me holding her. And like, I see them like, that's right. She was my rock. She came up to me. And then it was like the coldest, coldest, coldest February day. Uh, when we, when we buried him and my kids are running around in snow pants and there's a picture of that in the book. And as hard as that day was, and as hard as it is to look at that page, it's part of our life, you know, like, there's happy days and there are sad days and it's in our book. So I'm actually getting emotional, but, um, so it's not a really strange thing, but it's not something that you would normally see in a photo book. And I oscillated back and forth, back and forth. Do I include this? And I was like, yeah, this is our life. And, um, I'm going to have it. And I didn't want my kids to think it's taboo to, you know, cause nobody wants to talk about death, but death and photos, they go together and, I decided to keep the photos. My mom and my sister were not happy about the photos from that day. Aw, yeah. I I was okay. And I appreciate the fact that he did that. And um, it was our final goodbye. And I I can remember it. So.
0: Yeah. That's a sweet story, huh? You got me emotional.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're all sitting here tearing up. (laughs) Good thing that there's no video. Um, There's
1: no video. No video. You know, we've talked about death and photos before. So that's, Yeah. Um, I love that. That's why we like to ask that question because I think it brings out photos aren't just, you know, they're not, they're not always happy and, and, and that they're, they're literally a snapshot of of our lives.
2: lives. Right. Right. And again, we will forget about those moments. And so get it in there, talk about it, look at them, let the tears fly. I mean, it's yep. okay. It's okay to be emotional. So, um, yeah. Well, this thank has you. been amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I, I could talk about photo books for hours and hours and hours. So bore you all to death. And we have,
1: <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on and we'll put all of the, your information, Lita, into our show notes. So people looking for Lita or want to learn more about her and her business, which I'm still not going to mispronounce on publicly on this show, uh, we'll put it all in the show notes um, so you can see them after you've listened. And it's at uh, insidephotoorganizing.com.
2: Well, thanks for having me. This was so much fun.
0: Yeah, and I learned a few things, which is always good, as we say. Got to learn something.
2: Yeah. All righty. Thank you, Lita. Thank you, guys. Bye.
0: Well, another wonderful interview.
1: Yeah, I always love talking to Lita and I am lucky enough that we don't live that far apart. So she and I get to talk a lot. And that's why we really wanted to have her on, because she knows so much about photo book design and just the start to finish. You could tell you know, when she's giving her tips and her process and things. Yes, for sure. Very knowledgeable. And, um,
0: I, I enjoyed the fact that she is not, um, she's more interested in ensuring that people create these books for their, for their families. And, you know, if you want to hire her, hire us, that's great. But she really wants to empower people to, you know, to to start favoriting those those photos. And when you're ready to sit down, you've got them ready to go. And I think that's the important thing, you know, taking notes along the way. I love doing that when I travel, like you said, um, and it can become such a a lovely um you know, thing to, to have in your, in your collection. And whether you're downsizing, you want to create photo books of previous photo albums. That's another option that you can do. Some people have scrapbooks and they want, you know, they want a scrapbooky feel of their photo book. So yeah, there's so many ways you can slice and dice this, but, um, you know, to have something done so professionally and with her engineering background, I am sure it is a marvel, you know, just a marvelous book that she creates.
1: Yeah, they're they are beautiful. And I really like I I love when people make books and I encourage people when they do them too to leave them out, you know, put them out on the table. And the nice thing is, too, is I don't know if somebody spills something on it, you can always reprint it. The hard part is making it in the first place. It's not the printing. Yep. So put it out. Enjoy it. You know, there, there's you made all these memories. So let's let's keep them at the forefront. So I'm I'm really glad we had that episode and uh, people ask about books all the time. So now they've got a little bit of a reference or a place to start because she had some great tips.
0: Yeah, that was awesome.
1: Well, next, we want to talk about a,
0: a question that was submitted to us uh, from our listening audience. Um, her name is Carlene and she's, uh, reaching out to us from Michigan. And her question is, I am not a certified photo manager. Oh, well, we, we love the fact that you're, you're listening to our, our, uh, podcast. So thank you for that. So she goes on to say, but I have been listening to to as many webinars and podcasts that I have time for. Can you break down how much money you spend a month or year for your photo organization? Or more specifically, what software and backup you set up for your clients and how much it costs? Do you have them pay for software like Photosweeper, monthly iCloud, or other cloud backup? What about external hard drives? If they don't have a computer, buy one. I can envision that it is a monthly bill that people would have to include in their budget for the rest of their life?
1: Allison, you want start, to sure. start off? This is, you know, obviously this is a huge question. But what I would say on the base is photos are a little bit of an investment. You have to keep them somewhere. I mean, you don't have to keep all of them. But you need to think about what you want to do with them. And do you want to keep everything that you take? Because that could be an awful lot. And if you do that and you have a really large collection, you'll go in one direction as to where you, where, where you ultimately keep your photos. If you have a much smaller curated collection, then you would choose a different type of solution. And I only mention that because the costs are quite different. If you have five terabytes of photos, which a project I just picked up has about 18 terabytes they just gave me, you are not going to put that on a place where you're paying, you know, you might not want to put it on a place where you have to pay for storage up front because Well, that would cloud be storage. Cloud storage it, up front because it's a ton and ton of money. So you might instead keep that local. You might make it a goal to curate that down much, much smaller. So to calculate actual monthly bills- from not knowing how you keep your photos is a little bit impossible. I will say with software, you mentioned PhotoSweeper, uh, that's something for me anyway. I own it. I own all the software that I use with clients. They don't need to have it. Um, but what they do need to have is either a hard drive. And if you're getting a say a two terabyte drive, that's, I don't know, a hundred bucks. Replace it every few years. You want to have a few of them, so that's a little bit. Or if you're keeping it on the cloud you've got your subscri- subscription costs you know there's it, there's a lot of different ways you can go with it so the first thing to do is actually figure out what do you actually need what do you actually want and then do some ca- comparisons i will say and then i'm going to turn it to susan cuz she'll have ideas as well that i never ever ever store my photos and my memories in a free anything And I am emphatic about that because they have no reason to keep your stuff safe and they don't have to inform you if, you know, if they're going out of business or if they change their policies, they'll probably tell you, but they have no requirement from their end that they have to keep your stuff. If you keep it somewhere paid, be it iCloud or forever or, permanent, or uh, there's a bajillion different places you can put it, they have a responsibility to you. So you will have a much better experience and are much less likely to lose your things than if you put it somewhere free. Um, if it's free, they're getting something out of it. And that is going to be to your detriment. So if, if you forget if you, li- if you remember nothing from this last piece of this episode, it is not safe to keep your photos in a free solution. Susan?
0: <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. And in addition, if you have paid someone to help you organize, they're going to uh, do some things like uh, perhaps add event data into the metadata. Um, they may be doing face tagging, uh, face recognition. So there's names, um, in the keywords, uh, we may have added captions for you. And depending on where you store that, that's not always easy to get back. So, um, I know there was a conversation recently, it comes up, um, about Shutterfly and how easy it is to make products, uh, with photos on that, that platform, which it is, but it probably is not the best place for you to store your photos because when you want to get your photos out, um, you it's it's not always easy straightforward and you lose that metadata um so yeah we can talk all day about different options we would want to find out as allison had said what what your particular um situation is with your photos are you pc or mac that really wasn't mentioned um you did mention photo sweepers so i'm guessing maybe a mac because that's mac based only Um, But that program's only 10 bucks and it's designed to remove duplicates. So once you do that, that's, you don't really need that software anymore. And if you are on an Apple device, um, Apple Photos has recently included a uh, duplicate uh, remover. It does not remove similars. Um, That would be something like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> what Allison mentioned earlier, when you hand your phone to somebody and you say, "Here, take take a, a photo of our family uh, in front of this, you know, monument or whatever," and they they uh, they give you ten in a row, so that that is con- considered a series of photos. They're not considered the same photo, um, but you don't need to keep them all. So once you have curated your library, then you can talk about what your ongoing costs would be.
1: Yeah, it depends on the size of your library and what you want to do with it. I've got, you know, 10,000 photos of birds. No one's going to want those. So I don't put them in a place where it's expensive to store. I have them on my hard drive and I have them on something else. But you really have to think about that. So it's, it's not easy to put an actual price tag on it. What I would say is that these are, maybe I'm only saying this because I'm a photo organizer, but... I consider photos and videos, that kind of media, one of the most precious things that I own. And for that reason, I am willing to pay small monthly fees or whatever to keep them safe. And I think that gets lost sometimes because there used to be a lot more free solutions and a lot of them are gone or a lot of them have started charging and a lot of people got, into a big old mess when they disappeared because they lost their photos. So think about how important they are to you and, and your budget, um, and pick what's going to work. Yeah. Remember once they're gone, they're gone.
0: Yeah. And that's the, the hardest thing to, to come to peace with. Um, and, and that's why I also have a a network attached storage, multiple hard drives and lots of photo backups um, because that is very important to me. And, you know, if you look at like I I just grabbed a a screenshot very quickly of iCloud storage and you get 50 gigs for just 99 cents a month. So you can get uh, 200 gigabytes for like three dollars a month. And I think, you know, that's less than a coffee. You know, you go to Starbucks and you're paying five bucks potentially daily for that. So
1: I guess two, two terabytes, which will cover most people is 10 bucks a month. And that's, I think it's similar on Google and, you know, they're all kind of about the same and Susan's right. You know, if you go get a coffee, so even that I would argue, I don't don't drink coffee, so I don't go into Starbucks (laughs) all that often, but I'm guessing that they're probably potentially close to 10 bucks or if you get two of them, they're you know, so think about it that way. It makes right. the cost easier to handle.
0: Yep, exactly. Well, we appreciate hearing from our audience. If you have a question, please let us know. Um, it would uh, just warm our hearts to to help you figure out something that uh, has been uh, bugging you or you need some clarity on or just maybe a suggestion on, on a particular project that you're working on. Um, maybe it's
1: a photo book. Maybe or a topic that you want us to talk about. yeah you know, shoot us shoot us an email from our you know the contact form on the website, and uh, who knows? maybe we'll do a whole show on it.
0: So I just want to add something
1: I'm very excited. Um, we are going to Roots Tech. We are. we're both going. Um, of course, this episode will air after we've come back, <laughs> so we will have just come back. Ah uh, no, no, we'll be there. Yes, we'll, we'll be there be- when this comes out yeah um but so that'll be fun we... susan and i together in the flesh and we'll have to get a picture and we'll put it somewhere on the podcast page
0: yes and um maybe we can talk about our experience at roots tech for our next episode maybe we can I yeah love it.
1: we can talk about it in person
0: uh-huh figure that out i'll bring my nice microphones and we'll have a good time
1: <laughs> well, you're driving, so you can. I'm not bringing my big microphone. Oh, no, I'm flying.
0: <laughs> oh, you are? Okay. I I decided seven hours in the car wasn't
1: for me. Yeah, I could see that through the mountains. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, if I went through Colorado, it'd be nine, nine plus, depending on the weather. And this is the end of February and March. February and March are our snowiest months. So when Lita said that she had the big snowstorm in March, I'm like, yep, uh-huh, that's typical. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, you'll be a lot safer. I was a little concerned about you driving through the mountains, but I wasn't going to say it. You are in Colorado, so you know how to do it. But I'm thrilled you're coming so that we can hang out in person and uh, we're going to have a good time. And yeah, I think we'll probably talk about it on our next episode. That will be fun. All right, my dear. Until next time.
0: Great. Have a great day, Susan. Thanks. You too. Bye for now. That's it for our show today. Remember, you can find this episode on all of your favorite podcast apps. Be sure to click follow so you can stay up to date with the latest in photo organizing. We'll catch you next month.